You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, June 6th, 6th, 6-S-I-X. There we go. I don't know why. I have trouble saying that 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 uh that number sometimes. Uh, as always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always, as you can tell at the beginning there, the most... Javier Reyes, you might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Just Baseball, where I'm a staff writer, or you can check me out on Twitter at Javapeno, that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and at L-O underscore Padres if you want the show's account where there's a bunch of live tweets during the Padres games and a lot of memes and dreams over there. Uh, and today's episode also, guys, is brought to you by Bet Online. That's right. You've probably heard of Bet Online because you're listening to Locked On, and we love Bet Online over at Locked On. Has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before? Bet online where the game starts. And today's episode, despite a little bit of a weird stumble there, a little bit of a weird, weird, chaotic, dare I say, energy opening up this episode. Um, it's a happy one, ladies and gentlemen. We are recapping this weekend's and also Thursday's, last Thursday's game against the Milwaukee Brewers, the series that saw the Padres just leap out. You know, they, they, you know, the, 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 what is it? I, I didn't watch the series, but in Boba Fett, right? When he, his hand comes out of the desert, you know what I mean? And we thought he'd been dead. We thought he was crushed in the Sarlacc pit. In this case, we thought the Padres are crushed by the Cardinals, which they were, which they were. But they reached out and they showed us again why it's going to be the highest of highs and lowest of lows sometimes for this team that has trouble scoring, but has excellent pitching, guys. Let's first start off. We're talking about Sunday's game. I always like talking about the most recent game first before we get into some of the other things that I uh, noticed over the past uh, week and such in this Brewers series. And as you all know, I am no fan of the Milwaukee Brewers. As you, maybe maybe you know. I don't want to say you know for sure. I don't know if this is your first ep- time listening to the, ep- the podcast. Whoa. Who knows? You know what I mean? The Padres won yesterday's game by a score of 6-4. to four. It was a start that was made by Mike Clevenger, who was returning from IL. Brent Rooker got sent back down. He was up for half a second. He, by the way, is one of the players that was acquired in the Emilio Pagan-Chris Paddock trade that saw Taylor Rodgers come to the Padres. Thank God for him, right? He's been awesome this year. Clevenger only goes three innings in this outing. Three innings, one earned run, and that one earned run came from a Colton Wong blast on an inside pitch. He walked to... Five strikeouts, over 60 pitches in just three innings. But it was his first time back from the injury, so the Padres clearly wanted to manage this, uh, you know, um, tepidly, I guess you could say. And they brought in Nick Martinez, who I think did a pretty good job being in the piggyback role. Four innings, two in runs on four hits. Unfortunately, the big home run from Colton Wong, again, the enemy of the Padres, it seems, as lately. And Colton Wong, I personally think a little bit underrated, not necessarily because of his total stats and what have you, but it just feels like you kind of know what to get from him. Modest speed, modest defense, just like that solid player that you just know what you're going to get from him, right? That's just me. Um, I think that he's got a decent walk rate, all that stuff. I think he's just an average, pretty decent player with a hint of pop that you saw today. 
And actually, he had some of the hardest hit balls uh, of the day, according to by exit velocity, if you just check out Baseball Savant. And one of them wasn't even a hit at 105.4 miles per hour. The hardest hit ball was actually by Austin Nola, a 108.2 miles per hour uh, exit velocity. And it had an expected batting average of 840, but it was a line out. And also, Austin Nola was unlucky on another hit that went 103.2 miles per hour with an expected batting average of 540, but that was a line out. So a little bit unlucky for the homie Austin Nola. Hold on one sec for all my video listeners. Austin Nola, if you video listeners are, or video viewers, I should say, are watching right now. Um, it's a little bit unlucky for him. Uh, Colton Wong killed him. What can I say? Colton Wong was the reason that this game was tied uh, back in the, when the heck did this happen? What was it, the bottom of the eighth? Uh, yeah, bottom of the eighth inning, he, he ties the game. Um, and for the most part of the game, the Padres were doing a lot of what they usually do, which is a lot of, you know, Good base, uh, good situational hitting, I should say. Getting base hits from Jerickson Profar to start off the game in the top of the fifth. It was a pretty boring game for the most part up to that point. You got one from Jake Cronenworth as well. Luke Voigt had a force out. And Voigt, by the way, quietly been heating up a little bit. His batting average is now sitting at 225, which is pretty good considering only a week ago he was barely over 200 he's he's been getting hits and he's been getting some some power and whatnot I would like a little bit more from him only has one double and one home run over the past bunch of games including the series against Pittsburgh but nonetheless he's been still pretty okay and able to draw a walk every now and then not bad from Luke Voigt but still mostly a disappointment for him uh so far in the Padres uniform and uh what else should I talk about here what else should I talk about I think that's basically it right yeah, that's basically it. Of course that's not it, ladies and gentlemen. Damn it! <laughs> Jake the Rake Cronenworth in the... And I'm not going to lie to you. Bottom... Or, I'm sorry. The top of the 10th inning, Jake Cronenworth homers, bringing in Azokar and Jerks and Profar. The re, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought this was, this was a wrap. And the reason I thought this was a wrap, and maybe I missed it. I'm going to actually pull this up really quickly because I thought they were going to bring in Hader for the, the top of the 10th inning who everybody knows this guy gives up like one extra base hit a year, I swear. Um, he goes, he throws 15 pitches in this game. And I was just a little bit surprised that they didn't have him out for more, considering, and I my suspicions are confirmed, his last outing was May 30th against the Chicago Cubs. So he had plenty of rest. I'm a little bit surprised. 15 pitches, not like he threw four. But I was just a little bit surprised that they didn't bring him out, at least for maybe a batter or two in the next inning. And instead, thankfully for us, they bring in Trevor Gott, who uh, gets absolutely punched in the mouth by Jake Cronenworth here. Cronenworth, a nice weekend for him. It should be brought up uh, in this game going two for four with four RBIs, obviously the home run. And then in Saturday's game, he went two for four as well with three RBIs and a home run, one for five uh, the previous night. So a nice series for Cronenworth. Will he get going? I hope so, because one thing about Cronenworth is I also wish he would draw a few more walks. I wish that he would... It seems like he's trying to hit out of his slump more than just wait for the right pitches and kind of, you know, get those line drives that we all know and love from him, right? It feels like he's just trying to, like, hit out of the slump instead of taking a couple more pitches, taking some walks, and just being a little bit more composed at the plate, at least in my opinion, from what I've watched. But then again, uh, it's it's fair to critique him. I, we're a month and a half, more than a month, two months basically into the season, perfectly okay uh, if you're worried about whether or not Jake Cronenworth still has it, because I certainly am, um, at least to a degree of, is this going to be a season where he hits like 240 with a 330 on base, which isn't terrible, right? But it's also not what you expect from a guy who's one of the five best, you know, second baseman in baseball, if you want to go by F4 since 2020, right? So we'll see if this is a good thing for 
Mr. Jake Cronenworth. Otherwise, um, the other thing that should be mentioned is with Clevenger, my only fear with the whole Padres bringing him back, having him only go three innings, I get it. He did just come back off the IL, but not going to lie to you. Uh, from based on last year, and granted, maybe it's the post-traumatic stress of the Padres, the Padres traumatic stress syndrome. Can you say that? Padres TSD? I don't know. Anyway, not to insult anybody. Uh, that from last year, you know, Denelson Lamette, they did the same thing. He would go on the IL, then he'd come back, then they'd slowly ramp up the workload. And right when you think he's there, same thing with Clevenger, he has a little bit of a bad outing, then he heads back to the IL, and we're like, oh my God. So that's just a little bit of a... A, a, a tiny red flag, not even a red flag, but a just a little bit of a warning. My my finger is on the warning button, you know, not the panic panic button. Now I'm not pressing, I'm not stabbing the damn thing, but I am a little bit worried just because y- you never know. You never know. I mean, you never know. I'm just a little bit worried. Uh, but before we talk about the rest of this weekend series, guys, let me talk to you about something that makes me feel good. That doesn't definitely doesn't make me panic. Let me tell you, that's that's athletic greens which I started taking because I wanted more energy. I wanted to optimize the old abdomen or immune system. That's where your immune system is, right? I think it's around here, right? That's what the immune system is. As you can tell, I did not major in science and whatnot, but the people who have created Athletic Greens, I believe that they at least have an idea of how the body works and whatnot. And I've been taking it for a little bit, and it's really nice. You only take uh, just a handful basically a day, and it kind of has you going. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool. It just helps you start off the day right, and that's what I've been saying every time I talk about Athletic Greens, guys. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water, every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply supply, excuse me, of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. But that's not all, everybody. I got a little survey that I want you guys to do. All right, we've put together a survey over at Locked On so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It doesn't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. So take your audience survey. Go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey, and thank you for your help in advance. Let's talk about the rest of the series, guys. Let's talk about the rest of it. Let's first talk about, because you guys know me, I talk about the recent game first. I'm not going to assume you know me, but I like to talk about the recent game first and then talk about the the one bad thing. And it's usually only been the one bad thing, let me tell you, because this Padres season has been pretty fun so far. Let's talk about Thursday's game, which I did not do an episode of. I instead, if you guys want to go check out with Miller Thomas, a fun Friday kind of episode where we just talked about the biggest winners of the MLB season so far. And one of them, of course, 
may have been a San Diego Padre. You might know who I'm talking about. So go listen to that. We're actually also going to be doing a losers edition of that as well this week. Don't know when exactly, but that should be fun. Um, the Padres lost this one 5-4, which is a shame because they really shouldn't have lost this one. We should have gotten a sweep in this series. Shamanaya in this game really, really ramped it up. He was due for, for a better start, I think. And I have been criticizing him lightly in the sense that he low-key had like an ERA that was worse than, you know, uh, um, uh, what's his face, uh, Nick Martinez and some other guys on this team, but wasn't quite getting as much flack because, you know, Bob Melvin, the connection with Oakland A's, and also, admittedly, I think, the hair. I mean, how can you, how can you get mad at a dude with that hair? Uh, but in this game, really good. Only one earned run on five hits. Walked two, struck out eight. Uh, granted, it's a Brewers offense. I get that. Um, so maybe, like I said, he was due for a good start, or at least a better start. He hadn't been bad, but a better start, lowering his ERA to 3.77 on the year. Uh, very cool there. Robert Suarez was good. Luis Garcia, who has been good for a while now, quietly. But of course, unfortunately, Taylor Rogers doesn't even get an out. He gives up four earned runs on two hits. It was a disaster. Jace Peterson gets a triple. He hits Colton Wong with a pitch. Just clearly right from the get-go wasn't looking good right after the Keston Hero single and then hitting Colton Wong and then hitting Victor Caratini. The guy just lost it. And it stinks because unlike and – and by the way, Taylor Rogers, uh somewhat recently been in a little bit of a funk. I guess he was due. And I've been, I said he was due a while ago because this is a guy that has 0.44 ERA heading into a game against Pittsburgh on May 28th when he gave up three earned runs. And I was fine with that because bottom line was, dude, it, it ha- there has to be something said for when you're constantly protecting one-run leads and you're sent in to do it again. And then Cabrian Hayes, a really great third baseman, upcoming player for the Pirates, takes him deep. It was okay. And then he gives up four against Milwaukee. And this one was different because it's without getting an out, he completely falls apart. The only thing you couldn't do was give up that many runs. You know what I'm saying? Like you just had to go into the game and absolutely implode. And it was, it was really unfortunate, right? It was really unfortunate that a four, one lead, you had the cushion and he comes in and blows it. That one is on Rogers. That one's on Rogers. This is not on the offense. Three runs is more than enough, especially for a guy who had been pitching so well. And especially for a guy who in general has been a very effective reliever um, in baseball and effective closer uh, back with Minnesota and stuff like that. So, you know, that was really unfortunate. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon getting a uh, single to win the game off of Nabil Krizmat. Of course, not um, that run isn't charged to Krizmat, our boy. Uh, Padres Twitter is kind of like a cult hero, uh, Nabil Krizmat, but McCutcheon walks it off. So again, somewhat Pittsburgh, you know, former Pittsburgh Pirate Andrew McCutcheon getting against us. But And that was a shame because Sean Mania pitched pretty well. And the offense in this game, uh, it should be mentioned, uh, the Padres first baseman, his batting average is down to 299 now. Uh, yeah, he had a really disastrous start uh, series against the Cardinals. He was really bad there. He's only beginning. So it's coming down. It's coming down. But we're not going to focus all on the Padres first baseman today. I want to give it like another week before we again start talking and addressing whether or not it's going to stay this way or he'll get back up to what he was performing at the beginning of the season. But uh, in this game, Machado, he gets two hits in this one with a double. That was cool. Um, but for the most part, there isn't much to report here. Um, aside from, oh, that's right. I forgot. Jorge Alfaro hitting 262 on the year. He hits a home run in this one, which was nice. Two RBIs on the day. Two hits on the day, too. Alfaro is, I think, honestly, 
I think he's kind of decent for what his role is, and his role is backup catcher. I still have an issue with the fact that this is a guy who I think that Luis Campizano should be getting more of a shot over him, just in terms of, let's say, before the season starts, I'd rather would have rolled into camp with Campizano, no pun intended, uh, as the backup catcher to Nola. And also, Nola certainly hasn't been great. I know that I talked about how his Sunday game stats, he was really unlucky with the exit velocity stuff, but even still, um, Alfaro as a backup catcher and not really having as much playing time to show those blemishes, to show the fact that he swings at every pitch imaginable. This is like a Javi Baez out of uh, Detroit Tigers, right? Like that's what type of player he is. And he hits for a decent amount, like an average, he can get you hits, which is certainly what Austin Nola is not doing at all. So as a backup catcher, he actually hasn't been too bad this year, you know what I mean? So I'll I'll take it. Uh, but he still doesn't walk nearly enough, and he still strikes out and swings at the dumbest stuff. Um, but as a backup, where you won't see his flaws as often as other as maybe when he was a starter with the Marlins, not too bad, not too bad at all. But in general, the game, the story of this game is unfortunately that boy uh, Taylor Rogers blowing it. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Let's talk about Friday's game now. Uh, and this game was fun. Uh, shout out to Fun Friday. Uh, because Fun Friday sometimes just is, uh, you like to head into the weekend with a W. And that's what the Padres did here. 7 nothing victory, which was great. Love that. And oh, by the way, it was against Corbin Burns, who the Padres torched in this game. Three and two-thirds innings for him. Five earned runs on five hits, two walks, six strikeouts. I actually don't think he looked as bad as that final line suggests. I actually didn't realize it was that bad. But it was the most earned runs he'd gave up since Atlanta, and it was the most runs he's given up, I believe, all season, if I'm not mistaken, aside from maybe the opening day start. But he was just not getting Padres hitters to chase, as usual. Um, in this game, highlighted the game going to Manny Machado. Uh, one for four in this game with two runs scored, but... Three RBIs on a titanious, monumentous uh, home run for Manny Machado, driving in Austin Nola and Jerickson Profar. After the boo, boo, all the boos are raining down from these dorks over in Milwaukee. Can we talk about that, by the way? I know that I talked about this recently that Bet Online, sponsor of this podcast, did like a little survey based on like some data of like negative tweets, like who's the most hated player. And I get that. I actually, and I've talked about it, like, I understand the hate towards Manny Machado when it comes to his uh, dirty plays and whatnot in the past. I do think the one with Pedroia gets overstated, but ones with Aguilar and other certain things, right? Like with Donaldson, who I know is a cursed name right now, but still there's been other, plenty of other instances where you're like, Manny, what are you doing? Like, this is, that's wrong. That's dirty plays. Uh, Except, again, I think the Pedroia one got overblown. But, nonetheless, I do get it to an extent. But they're booing, they're hemming and hawing. These Brewers fans, I'm like, all right, would you relax? I mean, what the hell? Like, relax. You know what I mean? Relax a little. Hits a home run. Absolute beast of a shot uh, from him. Also, a ground rule double from Luke Voigt in the game to drive in Machado. That was in the top of the first. Jerks and Profar. Also, nice nice um, series for Jerks and Profar getting some RBIs here. Two, in fact, uh, on this whole night. Uh, really cool. Really cool to see that from all of the Padres offensive players. It's amazing how solid and how much they're really relying on Profar to get some big hits for the Padres this year. 231 average, 326 on base. It's not like he's been incredible, right? Like he has it, but he's been like the king of situational hitting, it feels like, for the Padres this season. And uh, Joe Musgrove. I mean, Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove. Can I end it at that? 
Can I? Am I allowed to just say Joe Musgrove? Can I, for every single episode after a Joe Musgrove start, just say Joe Musgrove? And that's it. No, 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 no. No data. No analysis. No articles. No citations. Just Joe Musgrove. That's all I should have to say at this point. The guy is a master of destruction. <laughs> he is an, an artist. He's an artist, my friends. But before we talk about Joe Musgrove for just a little bit of a second, guys, let me talk to you really quickly about Bet Online, which I've already mentioned a lot on this podcast. You guys know what I'm getting at. Your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup between the old Boston Celtics, boo, and the Golden State Warriors, which I'm not going to cheer for, but you know. Boo Boston. Always boo Boston. Uh, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals. Major League Baseball, obviously. They got boxing, MMA, everything you could need. Esports, live betting. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove. And the reason I'm excited, ladies and gentlemen, is because he came in. Against last year's Cy Young winner. And I don't care if the Brewers' offense is kind of whatever. I don't care if Riolich might look a little bit washed right now. I don't care if Colton Wong is someone that you get excited about and Luis Urias. And that they thought that Rowdy Telez was going to be the, the, the savior. And that they didn't need to invest in a first baseman. I don't care. I don't care. Bottom line is this. Eight innings. No earned runs. Only one hit. Three walks and six Ks. Lowering his ERA to 1.64 on the season. That's right. He lowered it even more from 1.86. That's all this man does. He's going to get paid. Let me tell you, man, he's going to get paid this off season by what team. I'm not totally sure. Again, apologies, by the way, guys, I'm planning on doing an episode about that. I'm probably writing an article for just baseball on Joe Musgrove's contract extension and my thoughts and being funny and jolly and whatnot, but anxiety stuff been a little bit having trouble lately, uh, but I'll get to that soon. Uh, Musgrove in this game actually takes a no-hitter into the eighth inning. Where, let me just check really quickly to confirm who it was that got the hit. Was it Lorenzo Cain? No, it was Colton Wong. I remember. See, this is why I said he was the enemy of the Padres. Not just for the two home runs yesterday, but also breaking up the no-hitter. Uh, did I care that much? No, it would have been rad as hell. I'm not going to lie if he was able to do this. But nonetheless, still awesome from Joe Musgrove. He looked great. Um... Don't get me wrong. I don't. I actually don't think it was necessarily his most dominant outing. But bottom line is, even when he's not dominant, this the score sheet doesn't lie, right? This guy is a Cy Young contender, like he really is, and that's not something that I didn't expect. I'm not gonna lie. Like I didn't think that it was impossible. I didn't. The only thing I disagreed with was maybe having some other pitchers above him. Like I didn't really think that, you know, Walker Buehler should be favored that much more than Joe Musgrove. I think Walker Buehler is great. But he's having a little bit of a shaky season. So that's all I'm saying is Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove. <laughs> but that's not the only pitcher who had a great uh, weekend for the Padres. And I'm, I'm hoping you're enjoying my positive energy on this podcast because I know some of you get on me for that. But, uh, man, I don't even know what to say with, with this next guy. Mackenzie Gore on Saturday's start. Six innings, only three hits, no earned runs, three walks, which is a little, you know, he does walk some batters every now and then. 10 Ks over 108 pitches blanks the Brewers. 
Just blank them. Just blank them. And it really is incredible where we, we've gotten to with Mackenzie Gore. I would actually argue, if not for, and I talked about this with Millard and our win, big winners of the year, if not for the unbelievable thing that's going on in New York right now. And again, everyone shut up. I know you're going to say that my Yankees roots are coming out. But I'm just saying, objectively speaking, Jamison Tyone, you know, having multiple Tommy John surgeries, he had cancer, and then he's coming back and being productive. You have Severino, who hadn't pitched in like three seasons. He's back, and he's 100% great and really fun to watch, by the way. And then you have Nestor Cortez and his mustache, a dude who was a 36-round pick, and he's the front runner for the Cy Young, practically, in the American League. Aside from the Yankees' rotation, and I genuinely can't think of another one right now, Mackenzie Gore has been the most amazing pitching story uh, in baseball this year. This is a guy who came out and, you know, had these mental issues, it seems, right? Like he was just walking a whole lot of batteries, giving up big home run balls and whatnot. He goes from top pitching prospect to off of some people's top 100s, which you can pull up the tapes. Pull up the tapes. I said that was ridiculous. I understood if you ranked him in like the 60s, 70s, even maybe 90s. But to just remove him from your top 100 overall after being the top pitching prospect in baseball. Top pitching prospect, not number 5 or 8 or like 10. He's like the 10th best pitching prospect. No, he was number 1, a top 5 prospect in baseball when I started this podcast. I remember it distinctly. And it was exciting because the Pirates hadn't really had a really dominant exciting prospect in the minors it felt like when it came to pitching in a long time they've had some good seasons don't get me wrong we had chris paddock in 2019 you had tyson ross had a couple really good seasons um what's oh what's his one what's that one dude's name uh latos matt latos had some good seasons right but for the most part hadn't really seen one in a while that we could be really excited about having in control and then granted i get why he fell off he looked really rough in triple a the leg kick issues the control issues way too many home runs and stuff just mistake pitches and whatnot i get it but to give up on the guy in my opinion showed you how fickle this industry can be and just how fickle in general i don't even want to hate on the industry just in general how we as sports fans can be i remember i remember and I promise you, I am on record saying that I never wanted to trade Mackenzie Gore. Go type in at Javapeno, uh, Zeroni, for my tweet referencing the movie Holes, that I was like not down with trading Mackenzie Gore because I just didn't want to t- trade a former top pitching prospect so soon. I just didn't think it made any sense. And I remember at 4 a time, people were saying, hey, Preller, he's got that Texas connection. He's apparently been interested in Joey Gallo for the longest time. Let's just give up Gore. We can't, we can't develop pitching anyway. I remember that distinctly being an opinion from a decent amount of people wondering, and maybe, maybe, I will say, it is possible that, um, what's his face? It is possible that's one of those, like, rival executives things, and then it starts filtering through, and then it wasn't actually Padres fans that thought this, it was other fans that were like, yeah, they should do that, yeah, they should do that, even though, you know what I'm saying, like, Texas fans are saying that, and other fans. I was like, yeah. The Rangers should do that. A hundred percent they should trade for Mackenzie Gore. Because they don't have any pitching prospects. Not real well, they have Jack Leiter now, who's like the who's the number one overall pick for uh last year's draft for those who don't know. But I said absolutely do that. Buy on Padres pitching. And they bring in Ruben Yeba, and all of a sudden the guy looks cured, and he's the runaway favorite for the National League rookie of the year right now. Just an absolute runaway favorite. I don't I don't even think it's close. Seiya Suzuki, 
was the only one that was close at one point. Maybe you could say, might have some guys on the Cardinals to say a little bit about that. I know Nolan Gorman. Just in terms of if there's some batters, I talked about this with Lucas Smith on our crossover with uh, for Locked on Cardinals, that just in general positional players, if they do well, will have a leg up on pitching prospects. But to me, the story here is amazing. Going from number one, falling all the way back, and just reminding everyone, like, yeah, I'm still here, man. 4 nothing game. And yes, not the same amount of off-speed stuff necessarily in this game. Uh, not the same pitch mix. Threw his curveball actually a lot more. He tends to throw his slider uh, more than his curveball for sure. The changeup he actually threw a little bit this time. But he got a lot of whiffs on the curveball. 14 in total from his fastball and curveball and one from his changeup. And really, other than a couple of like, I think the first inning he got hit pretty bad. There's some really hard hit balls. They were, they seemed to see the fastball. But for the most part, that's what's so amazing about the fastball. He can hit those corners, man. He can hit the corners. That's what I always see. Those high inside corners, high outside corners. That's what makes it elevates, man. The fastball is so good. It's so good. I love it so much. It is awesome to see that a rookie is coming into the league and guys can't even hit his fastball. So imagine when he starts developing those other pitches that I still think that his off-speed stuff is great. But imagine when he starts using that even more. Imagine when he fine-tunes his, his changeup, which is clearly the pitch that he's been a little bit more reluctant to throw. This guy's a beast, man. This guy's a beast. And it raises the question of, you know, it, it actually, I think, has to do with uh, the Musgrove thing a little bit more, where how hard did the Padres go for signing Joe Musgrove? I'd go pretty hard on re-signing him because after next year, you know, and also the Padres don't have a lot of pitching prospects right now. So thank the Lord that Mackenzie Gore has been a hit, Right. Because without him, I don't really know where we're looking at right here. Because then after next year, Snell and Darvish are off the books. And say, theoretically, they re-sign Musgrove. That would give you Musgrove, Gore, and Nick Martinez? That's the only like guaranteed guys right now. And that's not exactly all that. Because that's including, assuming they signed Joe Musgrove. So that's a little bit scary, considering that the Padres pitching in the farm isn't necessarily... Uh, something that we're excited about right now. Their farm system is actually a little bit underrated from people I've talked to. Going to be talking to my buddy Arm Layton probably a little bit later on uh, in the show. Maybe maybe next week. Maybe this week. I don't know. We'll have to see how the schedule boils down. But uh, to talk about the Padres farm. But I can't gush about this guy enough. I mean, he's been awesome. I, I just He's been awesome. And he's helping my fantasy team too. Just shout out to me. I miss every damn year on my first pitchers that I take. Brios has been pretty bad for me. And Robbie Ray, who I'm addicted to because I just think he's hilarious. Uh, he's been bad. But then I hit on Severino, I hit on Cortez, and I hit on Mackenzie Gore because I don't give up. I don't. All right? I never gave up on Mackenzie Gore. I will take that one with me to the grave. God, this has been awesome. It's been awesome. A one-two punch with Joe Musgrove and Mackenzie Gore. And then other guys like Snell like Manaya, like Darvish, who, not always amazing, but they're capable of it. And at the minimum, if they just give up three runs in six innings, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It's the rare situation where I'm just, I'm okay if you just give us quality starts. It's been awesome, man. It's been awesome. Uh, Grisham also had two hits in this game, which was nice. Slightly warming up maybe a little bit for Trent Grisham. Uh, Cronenworth, like I said, two for four in this game with three RBIs, a double and a home run. Hopefully he's... 
uh, coming out a little bit. Uh, 4Ks on the night for Luke Voigt. I actually forgot. <laughs> I was praising him a little bit at the beginning of the, the, the episode for raising his batting average a little bit. I totally forgot he had that golden sombrero four strikeout game. Totally forgot about that. That's a mistake on my part. But otherwise, guys... That's basically all my thoughts on this weekend series, and we've got the Mets coming up. And I'm going to be talking with Ryan Finkelstein of the Lockdown Mets podcast. That's coming at you tomorrow. So no, that crossover, unfortunately, not a series preview before uh, the Mets series starts. But as you guys know, I love doing weekend recaps, especially when they're as fun as this weekend's. And then we have a series against the Rockies. Going to be talking with Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies. Lots of cool stuff planned. Uh, keep the ball rolling, man. Keep the ball rolling. And this Mets team, unlike, I think, the Brewers uh, to an extent, unlike the Cardinals to an extent, this Mets team ain't no joke. And don't worry, for once, I won't be cheering for Francisco Lindor. Don't worry. It's going to be painful to root against my guy. My favorite shortstop in baseball because the other guy's hurt right now. But, man, it's going to be a heck of a series, and I can't wait for it. But with all that being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L-O underscore Padres for game live tweeting and what have you. And until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Take care.